Thank you for listening to this week's message from Go Church. We hope it encourages you today. For more information about Go Church, check us out online at letsgo.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. Let me ask you a question today. When was the last time that you ran as fast as you could? I mean, as fast as you could. You know, I actually know the answer to this one. It is on the screen right now. This is the last time anybody over 40 ran as hard as you could elementary school. Now, maybe it was back in high school. Maybe it was back in college. Maybe you were an athlete, professional athlete. When was the last time you gave it everything you had? I've been thinking about this because football is coming up. The Denver Broncos are going to have the most amazing season they've had in two years this year. I'm excited about it. Football's coming up. Think back to when you gave it everything you had. How do you know if you're fast? Like in school, how do you know if you're getting faster? Probably look at the time, the stopwatch. You compare yourself to other people, right? You race other people. Where do you fall in the lineup? So I remember running the 40 all the time in high school, doing football. Here at Northfield High School, my boys played football last year with Coach Starzer. I'm a big Coach Starzer fan, and he did something that I thought was very cool. He gave all of the kids white t-shirts in the very beginning a practice. So in the very beginning, it was blank. And then they would all run the 40. Then they would get their best time from that day, and they would write that time right on the white t-shirt. So they would wear this t-shirt every time they're going to do a 40-yard dash, every time they're going to do it as a team. So they had these shirts, and they would have times, and then if you were to get a better time, you write it underneath, and then underneath, and then underneath. So as time went by, it was cool to see my boys' times go down, technique improving, getting a little more explosive, a little more fun, and they're also seeing their teammates get a little bit faster and faster and faster. And inevitably, they came home one day, and they're like, Dad, you played football, right? I'm like, yeah. Like, why did you run the 40 in? Well, I was like, son, we don't need to talk about that. (laughs) I was like, my fastest time sprinting in high school for football was a 4-4-2. But that was only in the 30, not the 40. And I'm like, oh, okay. The boys, their time started to go down. Think about it this way. How do you know you're getting faster or stronger or growing spiritually? Sometimes it's hard to graph, right? It's like, how do you track that? To track speed, stopwatch, time, biking, time, strength, bench press. We'll switch the metaphor, keep the momentum. How do you know if you're getting stronger? You know, can you move this X amount of weight this many times? You can track it, you can figure it out. But how do you do that spiritually? Sometimes it's hard to know, am I getting stronger? Am I getting faster? Am I staying the same? Or am I getting slower? This is not good. So today, I want us to look in the book of James. We're going to continue with James this week, and we're going to get some of this figured out. We are going to be able to write a few things down on our spiritual white t-shirt today to figure out, am I growing? Am I moving forward? Am I getting stronger? Am I getting faster? So write this down right across the top of your communication card, our one big thing. I will grow my faith. Everybody say grow. Come on, everybody say grow. 
you're in Go Church, you're going to have to make some noise today, okay? That's just how it is here. We like energy. We like fun. Take in oxygen. Consume caffeine. Get ready. It's going to be a good day. How can we tell if we're growing or shrinking? Here we go. We're going to get right into James. Now, to review, we jumped into James last week. James, one of the very first books written in the New Testament. James was writing to Christians, people like us, you believer, follower of Jesus, if you're here just checking out the claims of Christ, checking out Christianity, you're in a great place. Welcome, welcome, welcome. But this is James' audience, okay? Not to just everyone, but to the church. So when you read this, read this like from our perspective. James, the half-brother of Jesus, Pastor James. Very practical, very challenging, one of my favorite books. So let's get into James chapter 4. This is what he says, and I'll be thinking, white t-shirt, time. How do I know if I'm growing? Am I getting stronger, faster, slower, weaker? What can I write down on my t-shirt? Let's get into it. Verse one, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? I just think this is interesting. Can we just pause here for a minute? Humans have always been a little bit squabbly. Even in church, I mean, he's writing this to church people, right? 2,000 years later, sometimes we still have tension, arguments, conflicts. I don't agree. I don't see eye to eye. I mean, this is pretty normal, pretty human stuff. Like, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Think about our lives. Right now, it feels kind of high tension all the time. Like, you're afraid you're going to offend somebody. They're going to offend you. You think about politics, economics, things that are happening in different countries, school, education opinions. We've got all different kinds of thoughts. Sometimes it's easy to feel like we're fighting or it's at tension all the time. This is not new. We should give us some hope. God can help us with this. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Now watch this. Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. Now, students in the house, this is not literally killing people to get it. This is like hyperbole. This is dramatic language to make a point. James is saying you scheme, you try really hard to get what you want, but you don't. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. Welcome to Go Church where we make you feel awesome about yourself. <laughs> you, you only want only what will give you pleasure. Verse 4, you adulterers. Again, students in the house, adultery is a word for like cheating in marriage. So he's saying, are you cheating on God, you adulterers? Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. James, as you can tell, does not mess around. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace graciously, generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. That's a promise. Come close to God, 
and God will come close to you. So what can we begin to write down from this scripture? Again, we're going expository style today, so we're looking at this portion of scripture. We're staying here. We're going to see the truth, the application, how it fits into our life, what difference it should make. And let me tell you this. James is so clear, baby. Faith without action, if you were here last week, is dead. Also, action without faith is dead. It takes both. What can we write down on our t-shirt, the equivalent of the time? If I'm growing, then I can write this down. Here's the very first thing. Three big actions. They all start like this. So write it down. If my faith is growing, I will diagnose conflict correctly. Raise your hand if you've had any moment of conflict in the last month. Any, any moment of conflict. Okay? Not surprising. Conflict. Some people hate it. Some people can deal with it. Some people like it. Those people are weird. <laughs> they like to fight. If my faith is growing, you can write this on the t-shirt. I will diagnose conflict correctly. Look back to James. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? I don't know about you, but for me, my tendency, if I'm in an argument or if something is happening, a debate, a tension-filled moment, my tendency is to blame them or to blame the situation or to blame this or to blame that. It's their fault, your fault. I mean, it's not my fault. It's your fault. I've got clarity. You need understanding. And to be defensive, I've just always been like this. It's just kind of how I'm naturally wired. I am not a deflector. Like my wife, she can deflect things very good. She can redirect things very good. She's very tactful. I just want to go toe-to-toe. I just want to fight. And the strongest person wins at the end. Let's just, if you win, that's good. Good for you. I'll give you a high five. But so many times in life, I think we accuse everybody else and we excuse ourselves. That's our natural tendency, our selfish tendency. What I think is challenging from what James is saying here, he's not saying that all the external factors are irrelevant. He's not saying that. But he is saying before you look anywhere else, look in here. So before you just look to the outside, you're the problem, you're the problem, economy's the problem, politics the problem, political leaders the problem, be willing to look inside first before you just jump to the outside. So when I think about this in the context of what he's talking about, it's convicting and it's challenging and it goes against my natural urge to want to be defensive and to want to win. Like if I apologize, I want to say things like this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you made me yell at you. So I am deeply sorry. <laughs> it takes a lot of humility, right, to look on the inside. But he's saying look on the inside. So think about this today. Maybe the biggest problem isn't somebody else or their temperament, or the words they say. Maybe the biggest problem is something that you're carrying around on the inside. Not some defective part of you, but maybe there is something on the inside that is an open wound. You're hurt. You carry that with you. You feel deficient. You feel insecure. 
Maybe you are insecure. Maybe you try to have it all together on the outside because you feel like at any moment you could be found out. That person really does not have it together. That person really isn't that competent. They've been faking it this whole time. We all carry around insecurities. And so maybe our tendency to point, point, point is to try to insulate and keep the shields up with the own truth that we know, that we're a little hurt. Maybe there's something that's happened. And because I hurt, it's easy for me to hurt other people. James is saying, be quick to look on the inside before you accuse everybody else. The reality is we're born selfish. Hello. Have you ever met a two-year-old? Do you ever need to train a two-year-old to lie, steal, cheat? It's automatic. We, we know this. Let's be reminded. So look, here is a personal goal. Write this down. Personal growth goal out of this is unity. Let this be a goal in your life. Now, in Go Church, in Growth Track, we talk about this, having unity in the essentials, in the essentials of belief. So we talk about four things. It's not just four things, but we talk about four things in Growth Track that we all want to have unity on here in Go Church. Things like the Bible is the word of God. We see it as authoritative. We don't change the Bible to fit us. We change to fit the Bible. This is our rule. Things like Jesus is the only son of God. Only way, truth, and life. Got to be born again, have a relationship with him. That every believer can be spirit-led, spirit-filled, operating in the gifts of the spirit, live a powerful, purpose-driven life. These are essentials that we talk about. It's not the only essentials, but we want to have unity in these essentials and liberty in the non-essentials. So then it becomes a discussion a little bit of well, what's essential, what's non-essential. I'll give you a couple of examples. So last Sunday, if you weren't here, we had Tattoo Sunday. <laughs> we were doing tattoos right out here in the courtyard. I mean, we weren't doing any like low back tattoos or like any across the back whole thing, but we were doing some fun temporary tattoos. Let me tell you, the church I grew up in, they would not have had Tattoo Sunday. I mean, you might as well call it Worship Satan Sunday. We're not doing tattoos. There's no tattoos, no piercings, no ripped jeans, none of that stuff. These are the kind of things that I'm not saying are not important, but they're not as essential. They're not in the bullseye. You know, we can talk about it, but we're not going to fight about it. I'm not going to leave a relationship with you or think ill of you if you want to have a tattoo, you want to pierce some stuff, you want to wear whatever kind of outfit you want to wear, musical style. These are non-essentials that we're not going to fight about. But it takes discipline because sometimes we just want to fight. We're just hurt. Something has happened. So I am challenging you to start working on developing more unity in every relationship that you have. So does unity mean complete agreement. All the married people in the house, let me ask you this. I don't even need to. This doesn't work in any human relationship, does it? That for me to have a loving relationship with you, you must agree with every single thing all the time that I care about. But sometimes in the church, 
We hold our expectation of the church to some standard that is totally impractical and irrelevant and a dream. We want everything to be in total agreement in the church at all time, and if it isn't, then I've just got to find a better church for me. I just can't get fed there. Those people are just not serious about their relationship with God, and they just switch churches like every three to five years, hoping to find that perfect church. Look, if you're here and you're looking for the perfect church, don't join Go Church. We're not perfect, and neither are you. Just keep hopping. It's all right. I'll pray for you. I'll bless you. <laughs> we accept humans, not just angels, into our membership here at Coach Church. Okay? We're a little bit messed up. If you're looking for total agreement about all things at all times, you don't need a spouse. You need a clone. Second thing, write this down. Write this on your t-shirt. If you are making progress, remember the first thing we can write down, I'm going to diagnose conflict correctly. I'm doing it. I'm getting better at it. You can write that down on your spiritual t-shirt. Second thing, if my faith is growing, I will cut out worldly influences. I will cut out worldly influences. I want to read this, the same scripture, but in the message paraphrase version. It says this, you're cheating on God. If all you want is your own way, flirting with the world every chance you get, you end up enemies of God and his way. And do you suppose God doesn't care? The proverb has it that he's a fiercely jealous lover. This imagery of love and marriage and relationship. God loves you first and best. And he wants you to love him first and best in return. He is jealous of your attention, jealous of your adoration, jealous of the time that we have, that we invest in X, Y, or Z. He loves us first and best. He wants us to love him back first and best. He is jealous of you. He is head over heels in love with you. And he wants you to love him back. This metaphor of marriage and faithfulness, you see this in other parts of the Bible. And I begin to think about it just from a personal perspective. How do you think it would make Becky feel if she found out that I had a girlfriend on the side? Sydney, my daughter, just goes, bleh. <laughs> exactly. Think about how she would feel. I mean, I wouldn't, like, see her every day, you know. Maybe every couple of weeks we get together, maybe have a meal, talk about some things, have sex. How do you think she'd feel? How do you think my kids would feel? How do you think you would feel? How do you think the Lord would feel? See, some of y'all could do that and still have a job on Monday. Not me. How would they feel? Betrayed, cheated on, insecure, at a loss, devastatingly hurt. What does this mean? Just think about it in human perspective and then somehow ask the Lord to show you exponentially more what it means with him even deeper 
even more meaningful because he's given everything to be with us. He's given his first, his best, his only son so that we could have an opportunity to be connected relationally to him. So when we cheat on him, we're cheating on this sacrifice. We are cheating on everything that God has done to provide a way for us. What a serious thing to write down. This idea that could you be cheating on God? That's just such a powerful, almost gut-wrenching thing to consider. I want you to think about that today. We can't be married to materialism and God at the same time. We can't be married to selfishness and God at the same time. We can't be married to money and God at the same time. There is no God and this. It's Jesus, Jesus only, Jesus first, Jesus always. And in addition to all of that, I might do this as a job, and I'm a parent, and this is my role, and this is what I do in life. These are my responsibilities, but I am a follower and a lover of Jesus first. Here's our goal. Write this down. Personal growth goal, proximity. Learn to give God your first in all areas. So, for example, how many of you, when you wake up in the morning, this is one of the first things that you look at? Like, well, Pastor, I think my alarm's on there, so gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Mr. Literal. It's the phone, right? Like, you, you wake up and you start worrying. I'm going to check this thing. or an email. If you're a business owner, does something happen? Is somebody not coming in today? You, start, you just start worrying about stuff, so you want to check that phone. I'm challenging you for this week. Make the very first thing you do after you turn off the alarm or throw the phone across the room is have a moment of prayerful thanksgiving, 30 seconds. God, thank you that I woke up. Thank you, if you're married, that I've got somebody in my life that's doing life with me. God, thank you for my kids. Thank you for an opportunity to work. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to earn income giving me something that I can use to advance my family, my kingdom, your kingdom. God, help me live in a way that is reflective of your goodness today. Done. It's just a moment where you say, I dedicate this day to you. I'm thankful for what you've done in my life. I give God the first part of my day. Give God the first part of your week, which guess what? You're doing right now. You're here. You're at Go Church. You're prioritizing presence of God, presence of each other. That is so important, and I'm so proud of you. In fact, give yourselves a nice round of applause. The person next to you. Good job, good job. A little louder. We need a little more. That's, that's good. We got there. We started off weak, but we got there. Personal growth goal, proximity. So start to give God first and best of all the areas in your life, okay? God first in money, God first in time, God first in relationships. I'm going to start getting closer and closer and closer to the one I love first and best. Here's the last thing we can write on our t-shirt from James today. If my faith is growing, I will, hard word, submit to God completely. We no like you that word. Submit. We don't like it. <laughs> our self doesn't like it. Our selfishness doesn't like it. You know, we want to win. I don't want to submit. We're going to submit. Look what James says. Submit. This is really complicated. Submit yourselves then to God. Really hard theological principle to understand. Submit. 
Easy to understand, hard to do. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. D.J. Moo writes this in his commentary on the letter of James. To submit to God means to place ourselves under his lordship. And therefore to commit ourselves to obey him in all things. How does your life practically work? Really? Like in real life? Is it really God's way or your way? Is it really what God wants or is it 95% of the time just kind of what you want, what's in your mind, you can do your thing, and God is an afterthought? Submission doesn't work unless it's total. My relationship with Becky, 95% faithfulness doesn't work. Do you hear me? 95% faithfulness to your family and kids doesn't work. Submission is binary. You are or you are not submitted. Jesus did not give 100% of his life for 95% of ours. There is no room in our relationship with Jesus to say, nine out of the ten areas in my life are the Lord's. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. God is amazing. But that one part, that's mine. That stuff that I look at that makes me feel a certain way, those people that I talk to that make me feel a certain way, the way I am at work to work those deals to kind of be successful, a little thing on the side. I mean, there's just one part. I mean, I'm 90%. That's an A in my spiritual walk, right? It doesn't work like that. You're either totally submitted or you're outside of obedience. Think about with your kids. It's hard to be partially obedient. Are you obedient or not? Now, kids are growing. Every metaphor breaks down at a certain point. But think about this. How important submission is in our life and in our victorious life in Jesus. So many times you will hear this verse quoted, resist the devil and he will flee. And like the church I grew up in, they do a little bit of preaching on that probably. Oregon preacher, resist the devil, Oregon, and he will flee. I had a pastor that was from Puerto Rico. He would come down, stand up in, on the pew, get excited. I was all about it, man. I loved it. But you'll hear this kind of stuff, resist the devil. Isn't that great? Resist the, he will flee. Well, last time I checked, the key to resistance is submission. The level of your submission equals the effectiveness of your resistance. Are you tracking with this? How can you resist the devil when you're not submitted to God in the first place? You see, when you submit to God, what you do is you say, I lay down my name, I lay down my power, I lay down my rights, I lay down everything I am, and I am in you all the way. So when you take that identity and you resist the devil, you're not coming in your name, in your talent, in your meager strengths. You are coming against the devil and resisting in his name, in his power. And let me tell you, there is no other name as powerful as the name of Jesus. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And when you come in that name, the devil has to flee. Do you believe it, Go Church? 
Whose name are you coming in? Your name and all the little initials after your name? All my little graduate degrees? I mean, I got a graduate degree. Great. Happy for you. I'm glad that you learn. You're coming with your pocketbook, your own meager strengths. You are going to get tore up. The t-shirt. I want you to think about it today. I will grow. How do I know? How do I know if I'm growing? Think about your life. Can you write this down? Do you have a new 40 time on diagnosing conflict correctly? When it's happening, can you see it for what it is? When it's happening, are you looking on the inside first? White t-shirt. I hope so. These are all areas we can grow in. I don't care if you've been following Jesus for 40 years. We can grow in these areas. Are you going to cut out worldly influences? Are there things in this life, materialism, pride, are there idols in your life, things that affect your schedule, your calendar, your mood more than God? If God is fighting to get on your schedule, I'm sorry, y'all, you ain't submitted. I mean, if God's like, yeah, this is like my eighth email, I'm just trying to work my way in here. Is there really like any time that we could get together in the next two weeks? Sorry, booked, not submitted. Think about this. Your resistance being connected to your level of submission. All of this leads us to a great goal that we could have for the rest of our lives is to grow in humility. Humility, I don't believe is weakness. I believe it is strength. And I believe it is an outward sign of an inward reality to be humble. Doesn't mean to be weak or taken advantage of. Jesus was humble, but he was strong. Doesn't mean ego-driven. Okay, so let's get real with this. I'll get real with you. Monday, Becky and I had a fight. I mean, we had a passionate discussion. <laughs> we never fight. We just have passionate discussions. <clears throat> she was sitting in the living room. I was sitting in our open floor plan at the kitchen table. A little distance. Sometimes just going to have a little distance. So we're talking, and we're just talking about our boys, Ethan and Levi. And they are 16, just turned 16, and they are just starting their junior year at Northfield High School. So we started to talk about college, and we started to get stressed. And we started to think about, man, the boys leaving, started to think about Sydney, started to think about money. Money, y'all. It's expensive. Where are they gonna go? What are they gonna do? We're gonna do some kind of coaching for this or not. And so we're talking back and forth. You know, our voices are kind of getting elevated. We're, we're getting through it, right? But it's not like what you would video to show somebody how to do conflict resolution really great. It's a little bit messy, right? But we're getting through it. Nothing was thrown. There were no remotes thrown, shoes thrown, nothing thrown. But we're just talking about this because we both care about this topic. We're trying to figure it out. 
So later in the day, Becky comes and she apologizes. I apologize for being too loud. You already know this, but I have a tendency to get loud. And I get loud without realizing I'm getting loud. I'll just get louder and louder and louder. And if somebody's getting loud, I'm going to get louder than you. You go here, I'm going to go here. Right? It's just, I just do it. And so I apologize to her and I'm growing in this. Okay, we've been married 22 years, but here's something that I'm always trying, trying to enact in my life. It is a conjunction-free apology. Maybe you've done an apology like this. Baby, I'm sorry. But if you wouldn't cut me off, I mean, I would, I would not have to yell, right? Babe, I'm sorry. But if you would just not talk so loud, then I wouldn't have to yell. When was the last time, here's the question for you, let's apply this. When was the last time you had a conjunction-free apology? I am sorry for raising my voice. Will you forgive me? And then zip it, zip it. Still, I'm 45 years old, I've been married 22 years, it still takes an exercise of humility to just apologize without that word, but. When was the last time you had a but-free apology? Think about all these things. These are the ways that we tell that we're growing in our faith. Your spouse can tell, your kids can tell when you are growing in these areas. Today is not a day of doom and gloom. Today is a day where we remember the end of this scripture. Come close to God and God will come close to you. So let's do that right now. God, we come to you and we ask that you would just take two steps for our everyone. Just the miracle of proximity. God, as we push into you, God, I say on our behalf, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if we have chosen things before you, events before you, sports before you, career before you, relationship before you. We're sorry. Forgive us, God. Cleanse us. Help us to remember the joy of our salvation. Help us to remember today that the key to victory is submission. Help us to be in your arms and to love you first. God, forgive us for cheating on you. Forgive us, God. Help us to love you first and to love you best always. Everybody hear me today. We're talking about this idea of submission. It takes me all the way back to that moment in the Bible when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying before they took him away to be crucified. Jesus was praying a prayer. And he said, Father, if there's any other way, if there's any way that I don't have to walk this road, if there's any way that this cup can be removed from me, let me know. Is there any other option besides me going through this? And at the end, Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours. You see, Jesus modeled the way in submission to the Father. Will we follow his example? Maybe you're here today and you know a lot of things about God, but you've never submitted to God. You know some things about Jesus, but you've never truly submitted 10 out of 10 
to Jesus. Here's your opportunity to give your life to Christ and to make him the Lord, not just an important figure in your life, but the Lord of your life, where your answer is yes in advance to anything he will ever ask you to do. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, pray this prayer with me right now. Pray, Jesus, thank you for speaking to my heart. I ask that you would forgive me of every sin. I'm making you the Lord and the leader of my life. And I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. To stay in the know with Go Church, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at letsgo.church. You can also download our app from the App Store by searching Go Church. Have a great week and God bless.